I'm looking forward to preach this message uh, about a small thing that makes a big difference. Small thing that makes a big difference. And it's uh, and we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 17 this morning. So if you want to grab your Bible and come with me into Matthew chapter 17, we're going to look at a moment that happens for all of us in our Christian journey where we hit the boundaries of our faith where we hit an experience where it seems that God is not acting on our behalf. And uh, what we're expecting or hoping to come to pass is not coming to pass, and it can test and shake and shape our faith. And so we're going to look at an example of where this has happened, and then we're going to talk about what Jesus' response was, and it's called mustard seed faith. So in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, it says this, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to him, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. We're looking at a story of a group of disciples who Jesus had commissioned already and had already been moving around of the areas of Judea and Galilee, healing sick people. They'd already, they'd seen Jesus raise the dead. They'd seen Jesus do miracles. They'd been commissioned and given the authority to do the same themselves. So, and they had already prayed for people, come back and given the report. The demons fled out of people. They got set free. People got healed when we prayed for them. So these disciples have already experienced God answering prayers and doing miracles through them. However, they come to this particular moment and there's something about this situation that is so confronting for them that when they begin to pray for this young boy, for this boy, uh, they, they get to the boundary or the limit of their faith and nothing happens. He doesn't get cured. In fact, it gets worse. He, the, the demon that's possessing this kid, and can I just say in this particular instance, uh, the, the Bible calls it epilepsy. It doesn't mean that every, every epileptic episode is a demonic episode. Some, some conditions are just natural conditions that are physical conditions. Some have behind them a demonic spirit. Obviously behind this, because the kid was being thrown into fire and being thrown into, into water to drown him, was something spiritual to take this kid's life out, okay? Just to understand that. All right, so there's a, there's a component of this. And so they get to this moment and nothing happens. He doesn't get healed. He gets, it gets worse. And they are perplexed. Why is this not happening? We've, we've seen it happen before. It's, we've got to the limit. It's, it's, what's going on in this moment? 
I don't know about you, but I've had definite moments in my life where I've, I've been believing for something and God's done miracles before, but I get to this new particular circumstance and it's like so nothing happens. I go, why didn't, that ha- why didn't the miracle happen? Why didn't that person get healed? Why didn't we get that breakthrough? Why hasn't that person got saved just yet? Why hasn't this situation in our family turned around? Why hasn't this happened? And we, get, we can get to a point, we can get to a moment, and I call it the boundary of our faith. We get to the limitations of our faith. We get to a, a ceiling in our faith world. And sometimes if we're not careful, the ceiling that we hit can actually become a permanent, a permanent ceiling, not just for a specific instance, but for our whole life. I remember as, as a church in the early days, I'm so looking forward to our 25th anniversary, as Danielle said, so looking forward to introducing many of you to Pastor Graham and Pat Fletcher. And uh, I remember in the early days of our church, uh, we went for our first ever permanent building. We'd been meeting in the, we started the Malulabar Tafe College, then we met in the Kiwana Community Center. If we needed to have a prayer meeting, it would be over in the, in the um, Kiwana Sports Grounds facilities or surf clubs, you name it. If there was a club you could hire in Kiwana and Malulabar, we'd been there, we'd hired it. And so it was a big deal for us to get a permanent facility. And so we went for, uh, we went for a permanent facility. Some of you remember the Bird of Paradise. Okay, the bird of paradise. If you go down the Kiwana Way, there's a shopping center and there used to be this gigantic, big, the ugliest looking bird that you've ever seen. I used to call it the, a giant capsicum. It wasn't a bird of paradise. It looked nothing like a rosella. It was just this big red thing or the green thing stuck on the top of it. But it was the bird of paradise center. And our church, it used to be a gym upstairs. And so we went through this, this whole experience of, of agreeing on a rental ag- agreement and going to council to get the rezone to become a place of worship. And somehow the enemy stirred up someone in the neighborhood who, who began to get a petition of people around that we wouldn't be approved to be a place of worship. And our, our, our um, a, a application to council got knocked back. And in the knocking back, in the, the, uh, you know, that was a moment for our church where we hit our faith boundary. We hit a ceiling. We're trying to stand up, but we hit a ceiling. And in that moment, it wasn't just about the building. It was about the faith in us as a church that God could do supernatural things for us, that God was for us, that he would do miracles for us. And something happened, something interesting happened. It was like we'd been kicked in the guts as a church, as a group of people, and it was like faith had been sucked out of us. And in that moment, for the next couple of years, our church, uh, it shrunk, we plateaued, and there was just this sort of sense that unbelief stuck on us and became our ceiling. And you and I can experience things in our life that are more than just an unanswered prayer. They become a disappointment that cultivates unbelief in our heart, that cultivates these doubts in our heart. Is God for me? Does God really, is he really good? Does he really want to bless me? Does he really want to help in my life? And the disciples are having that kind of experience. They're having a, a restricting ceiling boundary experience. And so they come to Jesus and go, well, what is it? Why could we not cast him out. I wonder if they had a few theories. I wonder if they thought, you know, because you know, when a blind man was brought to Jesus, the question they asked is, was it his parents' fault or was it his fault? Was there sin in his life? Was that the reason he'd been born blind? I don't know how much sin you can get up to in your mother's womb. But that was a question, is it? You know, maybe they were asking this kid, they're like, looking, this kid's got this demon. Maybe it's because God sent it. 
Maybe God wants them to have something bad in their life because it'll somehow develop their character. And we couldn't cast it out because God sent it. You know, you know the thinking you can kind of get when something bad's happening and you're wondering, if is that God? Maybe it's because this little kid was really a schmuck when he was three years old and he opened the door through sin into his life. You're like, how much sin can a three-year-old get up to? <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. That's a whole other sermon. Enough, enough, all right. So, so they come to Jesus. Why couldn't we cast it out? Why didn't this prayer get answered? Why did we hit this ceiling? And Jesus looked at them and he didn't. Jesus wasn't like, oh, you, he didn't go into a counseling. I'm going to tell you three things he did great and if, it's something that you could improve on. He just answered them straight. I love that about Jesus. He went straight. He said, guys, it was your unbelief. It was your unbelief. The reason that, that you weren't able to see that demon kicked out and healing come into that situation is pure and simple unbelief. Now, I want us to understand, because we're going to look at a couple of things in the Scripture. I want us to understand, well, what, what is he talking about? What's unbelief? If you, if you study the Bible, this particular word, unbelief, from the Greek is apistea. Okay? I'm only going to say it once. All right. You've got to be careful how you say that. It's, it's the opposite to the word faith in the Greek. Thank you, Teresa. Behave yourself. The word faith in the Greek is pista. That's, that's the word faith. Okay? Again, I'm only going to say that word once, because I know you're a corrupt bunch here. All right, so here's the deal. The word unbelief that was stopping the miracle is not a little bit of faith. It's the absence of faith. It's not, so there's, there's on that particular issue, because we know they had faith. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. They believed in, they'd seen miracles happen. They had a measure of faith on a range of different issues. But when they got to that circumstance, they had no faith for that particular healing. And he said it was the fact that you had not, not just a little, you had, you had no faith. So if you look at that word, uh, that word unbelief in the Bible, you'll find this, that when the children of Israel, the Bible says, when they went to go into their promised land, when they looked to go in to possess all that God had for them, the Bible says they were unable to go into the promised land. Why? Because of the unbelief and hardness of heart. It wasn't that God didn't want them to. It was a condition of their heart where they didn't believe. It was the absence of faith in their heart. So they got to this great promises that God wanted them to have, but because they hadn't cultivated their heart well, they'd been complaining rather than thankful. They, they hadn't cultivated faith. They got to the boundary of their faith, and rather than crossing into God's promises, they spent the next 40 years walking around in the wilderness. It's possible. The Bible tells us that Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. He went to do, and he, he, was, he had all the authority and all the power to, to heal every person where he grew up. But the Bible said he was unable, not unwilling. It wasn't that he was like, oh, there's that little turkey who bullied me in grade three. There's no way I'm going to heal him or his family. In fact, fire from heaven on the Joneses who used to not feed me when I was home. No, he didn't. He wasn't, there was no unwillingness to do miracles. He was totally willing to do miracles. But the Bible said he was unable to do miracles. God was unable to do miracles through Jesus. Why? Same word, because of their unbelief. 
their hardness of heart. See, there's certain things, certain circumstances that will bring unbelief into our heart. I believe that what happened for the disciples, just like the children of Israel, they looked at the circumstances, they looked at these massive giants, and the giants intimidated them, not just physically, but also spiritually, and fear got into their heart. And here's the thing, where fear overwhelms, there's no, there's no room for faith. So they were intimidated by the bigness and the impossibility. I reckon what happened with the disciples is someone said, hey, there's a kid over here. Why don't you come and pray for the kid? And they're like, well, here we are. We're the mighty men of God. We're going to just pray for this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw this guy get healed. Saw this guy get healed. And then they rock up and this kid goes psycho and gets thrown into a fire. And, and it's not just the physical thing of what they see, but there's a presence in the atmosphere that is just staring back at them, intimidating, saying there's no way in the world. And I believe the intimidation of that particular, that spirit on them caused them to be fearful and unbelief got into their heart. Oh, and, and then I can just see the disciples going... You pray for him. No, you go. No, no, you go. No, you go. You pray. And just all freaking out because they were intimidated and they got they let unbelief, unbelief stop them from getting in there. It's quite possible in our lives. There's, there's all sorts of things that can intimidate us. It might be, it might be, well, my father never had that condition. My mother had that condition. My family's always been like that. I, I'm fearful of this thing coming into my life. I, I don't think that's, and we can see natural circumstances that are real. And then behind them so often is a spirit that is trying to put a ceiling on your life and your influence and the impact that God wants you to have for the kingdom of God. Because God didn't just save you to come to church on Sunday. He saved you to make a difference in the whole of the world. And there's an enemy that wants to stop you from making a difference. And so sometimes the answered prayer is not just about the answered prayer. It's about going to a new level in God for the influence that God's called you to have. And so they, they get to this moment. And Jesus is like, oh, it's unbelief. It's unbelief. And then he goes on and he says in verse 20, I say it's unbelief, for assuredly, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, is it the Mount of Olives? So literally, this mountain will move into that sea if you've just got faith as a mustard seed. And he says, nothing will be impossible for you. So you go, oh, faith as a mustard seed, hey? Faith as a mustard Well, what's he talking about here? Some modern translations add something in here. They say faith as small as a mustard seed, but that's not what he said. He didn't say, you know, because he could have just said, if you've got faith as a seed, all you need, if, if he said all you need is a little bit of faith, then you'll be fine. That's not what he said. He didn't say you just need a little bit of faith. He said you need faith as a mustard seed because there's, there's numerous occasions where Jesus gave the, rebuked the disciples and he said, oh, you of little faith. So Jesus is not saying you just need a little bit of faith and everything will be fine. What he's saying is you need faith as a mustard seed. See, when the disciples were crossing the lake and a storm came up and then they all freaked out because it intimidated them and it was demonic and he stood up and rebuked it, he said to them, O ye of little faith. You've got some faith, but it's undeveloped. It hasn't developed. It hasn't reached its full potential. So he didn't say, O ye of unbelief, that's no faith. He says, you have little faith. The fear is trying to intimidate you and cause doubt to get into your heart and rob you. But you've, so you just got to grow your little faith. 
So Jesus said, what you need is not a faith that's the size of a mustard seed. He said, you need mustard seed faith. You need faith as a mustard seed. What's, so what's a mustard seed? Let's a couple of little fun facts about a mustard seed. A mustard seed tree would, would grow uh, as, as a plant. So it was very tiny, one of the smallest seeds that's known. And when you planted it, here's the interesting thing. Um, in, a, in a Jewish encyclopedia, they, they have a picture of this, of a mustard seed that was planted six inches down, filled with soil, filled with water. And then in 72 hours, it had grown to the surface and green buds were already beginning to shoot. A mustard seed plant, it's like a herb, it's called a tree, but a plant, uh, when it grows, it grows down three times as fast as it grows up. In two years, a mustard seed will grow to about 20 feet tall, two years from being planted. Uh, 20 feet about, you know, from here to about where the air conditioning duct is. And the roots will be 63 feet, three times that down, deep, deep, deep roots. And really cool, the width of a mustard seed is of a mustard plant or tree is seven, about 70 feet. Almost as wide as this auditorium is a mustard seed plant or tree or herb, whatever you want to call it. So here's the thing, it, gro- it grows fast, it grows deep, and it grows strong quickly before your eyes. So when Jesus is saying, he's not saying, oh, you just need small faith and you'll be fine. He's saying you need mustard seed faith. You need faith that will go deep into your heart. You need, you need faith that will grow broad. You need faith that will grow, will grow fast. And it's, it's, it's not like you just, oh, if you've got a little bit. He's like, no, no, no. You need this seed to get inside of your heart, and then you need to cultivate it. And if you've got that kind of faith, faith that's deep, that you believe in spite of the circumstances, faith that's strong on the inside of you, you can say anything. And he said it later in Mark 11, if you've got no doubt in your heart, you can say anything and you'll have it. You'll speak to this mountain, it'll go into the sea. So he's what he's talking about is not just having a little bit and a lot of doubt. He's talking about a mustard seed faith that you cultivate that then becomes so strong that when there's no doubt, your words create. That's the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for. So we go, oh, okay, if that's what he's talking about, how do I develop that kind of faith? Because many of us in one area, we're at the boundary right now. We're at our limit on a particular issue. And if we're not careful, we start developing silly theologies that are based on our experience rather than what the Word of God says. And we say, well, I prayed five times and I, I believed. But actually what happens is maybe I, heard, maybe I started to believe, but I hoped. And then nothing happened. And disappointment got into my heart or intimidation got into my heart, overwhelmed the faith that I had. Nothing happened, and then so I made up this whole new theory, a theology, that God doesn't really want to heal people, that God, that God doesn't really want to bless people, that he's not actually a good God, that he doesn't want my family to be saved, whatever it might be. And we start, or we may consciously or subconsciously come up with those things, but the problem is not that. If we ask Jesus, what's the problem? He's not going to say, oh, it's the theology of heaven or that you have. He'd say, oh, it's unbelief. That's your boundary right now. That's the, that's the restricting factor on our life. So often, more than not, it's unbelief. And we need mustard seed faith. So how do we get it? I hear you ask. Is that a good question? How do we get it? Okay, we get it by this. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The Word of God. This is the quickened Word of God. This is, this is the Word of God that you're reading the Bible or listening to preaching and a verse is quickened. It comes alive to you. It's like God, although it was spoken years ago, He's just put the highlighter on it. He's just put the, the megaphone. He's got a word for you. It's highlighted. It's like, oh, that's for me. I can feel it. God spoke to me. The Bible says faith comes. In another place, the Bible tells us that the Word of God is like a seed. So the way the mustard seed faith gets into our life is it comes through God speaking to us. And when God speaks to us and He quickens something, it's the beginning of faith being birthed in our heart, but then we've got to work with it. Watch this, watch this. Peter sees Jesus walking past in a boat. And he's like, Jesus is walking on water. This is so cool. And Peter's in, he, he sort of a, 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 doesn't think a lot. He likes to talk before he thinks. He, he thinks in his mouth. Some people would like to say like that. And so he's just, he's just like, and some of you got some friends who are like that. And some of you are like that. And it's okay. We can just work on that. Anyway, Peter, he, he thinks and, he, and he, actually he says something. He goes, can I play? Jesus, this looks awesome. Can I have a shot at walking on water? And Jesus says one word. It's a rhema word. It's a quickened word to Peter. It's specific to him. Come. He hears the word. The word, because Jesus is doing it, the word produces faith in his heart. And he goes, hey, this is awesome. He doesn't think about it. He just responds because of faith. Now he's walking on water. And then the Bible says the storm and the waves come up. And instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he looks at the waves as if the fact that there are waves in a storm is going to make it harder to walk on water. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I'm figuring it's pretty hard any time. Anyway, he starts to look at the circumstances and he quickly begins to sink. And then he looks, he cries out to Jesus, help. And Jesus helps him. And then this is what Jesus says. Peter, Matthew 14, 31. Oh, you of little faith. You're like... You know, I'm sitting here thinking, he walked on water and he got the little faith comment. <laughs> oh my goodness, Lord, your standard is way higher than my standard. And so often in a, in a means of self-protection, in a means of, of self-preservation that we don't want to get our hopes disappointed, we refuse to step out thinking that that's, safe but it actually misses out on the great adventure that God's designed us for and so in, in his, here's, what, here's what he said you of little faith why did you doubt so this is what happened he stepped out because Jesus spoke to him but then he, his focus got onto his circumstances and doubt began to creep into his heart so he's got faith so this is, he's not in unbelief he's got faith and some doubt the doubt comes from the circumstances but the faith comes from the word from Jesus. So fortunately, he quickly readjusts his focus to Jesus and Jesus rescues him. And so often that's what it's like. So if we're going to have a mustard seed faith that sees the impossible come to pass, what we've got to realize is it comes from hearing from God, but it comes from continually keeping our focus on God, not on the problem. Now we've got to know enough about the problem to stay in, in, the, in the real world. But it's a matter of focus. In the first service, Elizabeth Stennett, during the offering message, gave a great point. She talked about financial stretching, financial pressure that they were under. And she asked God, is there something that I'm doing that you're, that's just annoying you? It's a really good question to ask God. Is there something I'm doing? Good question to ask your spouse if you're in a good zone. 
there's something that I'm doing that's annoying you. But to ask God. And God quickly said to her, yes, there is. She's a, they run a small business. Cash flow had been tight. And so she said, he said, stop checking your bank account details online. She said, every morning, because I had bills that weren't being paid and I was waiting for them to come in, the first thing I would do is I'd get up and I'd check the bank account. Had money come in overnight. Had money come. And so what she was doing, rather than, uh, this is not about being a bad steward. She would know what's going on. But rather than her focus being on God and his promises, her focus has got to her circumstance. And if you focus on your circumstances and the problem and the current reality, and if you keep looking at that, you'll find it will, it will rob you. It will choke your faith. It will choke out the seed that God's put in you. It'll cause, it'll let the doubt uh, really re- um, resonate in your life and you'll miss out. And so she said she stopped doing that and she started to go to the Word of God every morning. She started to go to the promises of God every morning. And of course, this is what happened. That produces faith. And of course, bills started getting paid. Big, big clients began to come in. It was a turnaround and it came. Why? Because she moved from focusing on the problem to focusing on the promise. Focusing on what Jesus said. This is mustard seed faith. You'll make that shift. For our church with our green building that we got into, we'd had that ceiling over our church for a number of years. And so we spent two years. God gave us a promise. He gave us some scriptures about this green building that we would get as a permanent residence. And we've got a little photo of it up here that we gave out to everybody in our church with a list of one, two, about about six scriptures that God had spoken to us about our future and our church. And we would pray them. And it took about two years. We got knocked back after knockback but but through the through the going I'm not going to focus on the impossibility there's a tenant in there who does not want to move out but that's okay because God promised that I will have appointed a place for you a place where I'll plant you where you won't be disturbed and so we prayed as a church and we broke through what was a ceiling on our church but it wasn't just a ceiling about facilities it was a ceiling about the goodness of God for our for all of us and what God wanted to do in our lives the last thing I want to uh, highlight that Jesus said, he said, it's not just uh, nothing will be impossible for you if you have faith as a mustard seed. So this is a faith that grows deep, that grows strong, that we keep our focus on the promise of God and what he said. And then he goes on, he says, uh, however, this kind of, this, uh, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. He's like, guys, you need a power upgrade. You're facing something that's bigger than you've faced before, he's saying to them. You've cast out a certain level of demon that's caused sickness. But there's something spiritually significant about this particular one that you've faced. And what you've got to realize, yes, you've got authority. And yes, I've told you you can do it. But you've now got to get clothed with a power yourself that will only come through prayer and fasting. We've got a sound system in this place. When we moved in, you can get a little sound system and you can plug it into 240 volts. And it'll give you a certain quality and a certain volume. But when we moved in here, the guys are like, let's get the mega thing. Let's, let's get something really awesome so that we get quality sound. And, and, uh, so, and they're like, but the thing is, we'll need three-phase power. We'll need, if we're going to get a particular kind of output, we're going to need a particular new level of power. And there are certain times where you, you're wanting to get an, another level of breakthrough in your life. You're, you're needing another level of power to shift things that have the potential to keep you at one level for the rest of your life. Through the disappointment of unanswered prayer. And Jesus wants to speak into your heart and he wants to speak into my heart for us as a church, but for, for us individually and say, now the thing that's blocking you is unbelief. So cultivate the promise of God as a seed in your heart and add to it prayer and fasting. 
Just look at that thing and start to stare it down. Start to go, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I need a greater level of power. I am going to go without food for a meal or two meals or a day or a few days or whatever it might be, whatever works for you. But understand this, that, that rather than, well, I prayed about it and it didn't happen, therefore it's not God's will. I prayed about it. I didn't happen. I'm at the boundary of my faith. Therefore, I need to cultivate the word of God and I need to get a greater level of power on me to bust through this particular boundary and ceiling in my life. What is it right now that has the potential to keep you locked up, shut down, and limited? Maybe it's time for a little bit of fasting, a little bit of prayer. If you're saying, well, are we doing a church fast? This is not about a church fast. This is about individual breakthroughs. You don't need me to tell you when to fast. You work that out with God. I need a breakthrough in this area. I'm responsible for it, and God's given me the keys to break through in that realm. Can we close our eyes right now? I thank you for your presence here today, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power in this room. Lord, I, I get a picture even, even now of, it's like God's circling for people, particular situations, like this, like a circle saying, this particular situation that you've been praying into but have hit the wall on, this is your breakthrough thing. This is your breakthrough moment. Get it in your sights. Sight it up. Line it up. Begin to pray into it. Begin to fast into it. Begin to apply the weight of heaven onto that circumstance. If you're here this morning saying that God's speaking to me about something that's a boundary to my faith and I need mustard seed faith. I need to cultivate it. And God's speaking to you about that. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me this morning. God is speaking to me this morning about a boundary, a limitation, something that I need to press through. Right? Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for us together if that's you. It might be a family member. It might be someone who you need to come to know Christ. It might be a health situation. It might be a financial situation. Father, I'm praying right now. You see the hands. Lord, you see the restrictions that the enemy wants to place on people. And together, we declare today that we will not submit. We will not bow down to the intimidation of the enemy. We will not let fear and doubt creep into our heart and rob us of everything that you've got for us. So we come in the name of Jesus against every assignment of the enemy against every demonic spirit that causes discouragement and fear and intimidation. We break the power of those lies right now. In the name of Jesus, we release a spirit of faith, a mustard seed faith, a faith that goes deep, a faith that grows wide. In the name of Jesus.